Hello, I'm Kathy English, and I want to welcome you to Profiles in Stewardship, where my husband, Bill English, has conversations with business leaders about how they integrate their work with their faith in Jesus Christ. Today, Bill is talking with Dr. Rob Plummer, the director of the Faith and Work Institute at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He is also a professor of biblical studies in their School of Theology. I invite you to take a few moments and learn from Dr. Plummer as he and Bill discuss various aspects of integrating our Christian faith with business leadership in this Profiles in Stewardship episode. And welcome. I'm Bill English, the publisher here at Bible and Business. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, joining me today is Dr. Rob Plummer, and I'm going to just just go ahead and say hi, Rob, real quick. And hey, Yeah, glad, honored to be on your show here. Yeah, and so before we uh, get going in our conversations with Rob, I just wanted to uh, let you all know that uh, one of my uh, books uh, that I've just recently published is now out at Amazon. It's called Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders. 30 Sayings from Proverbs. I wrote this book for the mid and upper level managers in corporate America who face challenging situations uh, relative to their faith. In other words, how do they integrate their faith into their role as a mid or upper level manager? And is there anything that the Bible can speak to them about? And I found that these 30 sayings from Proverbs, uh, chapter 22, verse 17, through the end of chapter 24, really have quite a bit to say uh, about that. And so I, uh, I just want to let you know that that book is out and that it is available. Uh, also, this book, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership, uh, it's heavy, it's meaty, and uh, the longer it's out, the more I think I need to write an abridged, condensed version. So I'm actually doing that right now. Uh, not a lot of business owners are going to read a 350-page book, I've been told. So I'm going to be doing an abridged version of that. That should be out by the end of the year. I'm going to strip out all the quotes and uh, and strip out a lot of the, uh, what, what do I say, you know, kind of the adjacent content. So that basically what I'm doing here is if this book here, that you're seeing on screen is Matthew. I'm writing Mark. So I'm just going to get to the point and move on. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know about those two things and uh, really want to thank Rob Plummer for being here today. Rob, uh, many of you uh, probably don't know him, but he is the director of the Faith and Work Project at Southern Seminary. He is also the chair of New Testament and the professor of biblical studies at Southern Seminary. And he's also uh, the director of Daily Dose of Greek, which I subscribe to, by the way. I would advise everybody to get out there and subscribe to both the Daily Dose of Greek and the Daily Dose of Hebrew. Um, while I don't watch them every day, when I do watch them, they're really interesting. If you've had any Greek or Hebrew, you'll find them very interesting. And and so I just want to welcome uh, Dr. Rob Plummer uh, to Bible and Business. That's great to be here. And just a little shout out. I have uh, read through both of those books that you mentioned, and they are excellent. So I'm happy to just give a word of endorsement for those too. Yeah, thanks. That that means a lot coming from you. It's it's. Uh, I feel like the theology book is just, I shouldn't say this, right? But I'm a transparent guy. I just feel like it's filled with errors. And I just need to go back and and take a year and fix it. But I don't know well, if I'll I, do that. I really I, benefited from it and have recommended it to others. So <laughs> I, uh, I think you're probably too hard on yourself there. But it's, uh, <laughs> hey, we we need Christians speaking thoughtfully and faithfully about how to be believers in the marketplace. So you you've done that well. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But this show is not about me. This show is about my guests. And today this show is about Rob Plummer and the direct, who is the director of the Faith and Work Project. And Rob, why don't we start out, out and just tell us about the Faith and Work Project, why you're doing it. And uh, I'm also going to be interested to know how um, my viewers and listeners can be uh, involved in that. Yes, if people want to check it out, the easiest way is go to the website, thefaithandworkproject.com, includes the word the on the beginning, 
thefaithandworkproject.com. When you go there, you'll see this tagline at the top. It says, helping Christians to love God and love their neighbors in every aspect of their daily lives. And so this is a little study center at my seminary, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Basically, it's me as the director. I have an assistant director. And we're trying to do events and provide content to help, um, especially seminary students, because that's where we are, seminary and Bible college students, to think about all of life under God's sovereignty and all of life as for his glory. So though they might not be going into business, how when they're pastors or missionaries, can they help, you know, 95% of their church to think about their daily life for the glory of God as a way of loving neighbor and loving God when they're a taxi driver, when they're an airplane pilot, when they're a lawyer, when they're a janitor, how do you think about those things? So when you go to the website, you'll see there are basically three portals and we just are providing resources, especially in those three areas. Uh, the one of them is vocation. That's kind of what I've been talking about, like how, how every aspect of our life is under God's sovereignty. We are called not just to ministry, but we are called to be fathers and to be husbands and to be business owners and to be faithful employees. What does it mean to be called by God to be a faithful business owner or employee to love your neighbor in that setting? So that's about vocation. Another one of the three portals is about economics. Like when we read the Bible, what do we learn about personal responsibility? What, what are the economic policies that allow people to flourish in society? We've had some posts there recently about inflation and what inflation is and what it does, just especially trying to educate pastors and ministers about some of these uh, more public policy economic topics. And then the final portal, right? So we have vocation about calling uh, personal, um, pardon me, economics. And then the third portal is personal finance. And the focus there is especially on pastors, ministers who maybe don't know much about personal finance, don't know how to plan for their family's future, don't know about life insurance, don't know about Roth IRAs. And we're just trying to provide some basic mm -hmm. training so that they don't get to be 60 years old and think that they can rely on social security uh, to take care of their family <laughs> in retirement. So yeah, if it's even there, right. <laughs> but so to, to, be, I, to be responsible, you know, how to be responsible, yeah. recognizing many, um, many ministerial students, just have no background in that at all. And rather than being taken advantage of by um, some unscrupulous people, trying to provide reliable, clear, accurate guidance. You know, that, uh, that whole concept of a theology of saving for the future is, is a, um, a seldom taught, very thin, theology, yeah. I think, in most Christian yeah. circles today. Um, uh, when I was writing my theology book, I only spent a couple, three pages on it, but I thought, you know, we should probably save enough for the to meet what's reasonably expected for future expenses, and then the rest of it, let's just give it away. I don't yeah. need yeah. You know, 20 million sitting in the bank to make me feel secure. Yeah, um, and, and shouldn't really have that uh, in, in many ways. There's so, a difference between hoarding and being yes. responsible, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And and hoarding, um, hoarding is not something that uh, a lot of pastors or um, Christians really face into as a sin. Maybe that they would put on par with pornography or affairs or lying or cheating or plagiarism. But yet, in James five, it's very clear that we are not to hoard; we are to be generous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And at, at the same time, and I know you agree with this too, the, the retirement system for the Southern Baptist Convention uh, is called, it's been renamed, but it's called Guidestone. And one of their main ministries is helping the widows of pastors who did not plan for retirement. And mm. so when you see that, there's, I forget the exact name of it, but they're constantly, you know, raising money to assist these elderly widows whose husbands took little churches, um, you know, gave it all for the Lord, but didn't think about um, the yeah. widow they would leave behind or the children. And so there, that's, a, we don't want, well, on, the, on the other extreme, don't want hoarding, but don't want, um, you know, don't want to fail to take care of your own family. So, you know, it, it's hard to criticize a heart that's willing to take a small church 
in a foreign land or a rural area and really pastor those people knowing that you know he's going to make 12,000 a year, 14,000 a year. It's it's hard to criticize that and yet there is a responsibility there. Yeah. And you, you so and I, I both know that if he's 25 years old and he starts putting away just 10% of his income, very likely yeah. there's not going to be a problem 30, 40 years from now, right? So very, very yeah. true. Yeah. Very true. Um, I want to go back to the vocation calling aspect for just a moment because that that's yeah. that's intriguing to me. Uh, I think it's starting to get baked into Christian circles that one can be called to business ownership. One can be called to the marketplace every bit as much as one might be called to the pastor or the mission field. In fact, I would submit that the marketplace is probably as large a mission field as, as what we have anywhere in the world. Um, how does, how does uh, the Faith and Work Project look at, look at, A, how does God call a person to business? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do they define that call? If there is a definition, I'm not trying to, you know, put words in your mouth. No. And uh, and uh, how should a person like myself, who really is full time in business, uh, experience that calling? So, can, can you speak to that yeah. just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll first mention if people want a little bit more detail on this in terms of you know, organized reflection. If you Google my last name, Plummer, P-L-U-M-M-E-R, and you type in a New Testament professor's rediscovery of the doctrine of vocation, it'll take you <laughs> to a free download uh, from Southern Seminary. It's in the Southern, we published in the Southern Baptist Journal of Theology. So Plummer, okay. a, New, a New Testament professor's rediscovery of the doctrine of vocation. And it's, you know, a 20 page article on vocation. And, um, this is a doctrine, uh, the doctrine of vocation comes, vocation, of course, comes from, I grew up in Tennessee, Bill. So when I hear vocation, <laughs> I went to public yeah. school. I thought that's, you know, vocation, vocational training. Isn't that the, the students who don't do so well? And they send them, they're <laughs> like, they're not going to get into college. So they've got to learn to work on diesel engines. Vocational right? training. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which, you know, now diesel mechanic can make a lot more than most college graduates. So, I, I uh, imagine most truck drivers are making more than oh, us yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> but the word vocation comes from the Latin voco, vocare, to call. And so it's just a, it's about a doctrine of God's calling, his divine uh, placing of people in their stations in life. And so Martin Luther was mm -hmm. probably in the last 500 years or so one of the people who wrote and thought the most the most extensively about this. And so the Lutheran tradition is often very strong in vocation. Gene Veith, who's, who's a Lutheran thinker today, writes a lot on it. But a key verse for it, for the calling to business or wherever, is 1 Corinthians 7.20, where Paul, he's talking about marriage, he's talking about circumcision, he's talking about slavery, he's talking about all these different dimensions of life. And he says, mm -hmm. each one, just a very literal translation here, each one in the calling in which he was called in this, he must remain. Now, he qualifies that later saying, you know, obviously, if you're in slavery, you get your freedom, get your freedom. But he, it's basically saying, hey, w wherever you are in life, in that mm -hmm. moment, at least, mm -hmm. God has called you to that. That's under God's divine sovereignty. He's called you to be married or he's called you to be single or he's called you to be a circumcised person or uncircumcised person. He's called mm -hmm. you to be <clears throat> in that moment. Again, not excluding the idea of someone getting freedom or even the culpability of someone, you know, the problems of the institution or, but he said, if you find yourself in slavery, that God's, God's sovereignty extends to that. And you need to realize that in that moment, you're called to be faithful wherever you are. And so that certainly extends in modern times to different business opportunities, different employment opportunities. I mean, we're called to, uh, you know, called to be a janitor, called to be uh, a teacher at a school. Those those are places that God has placed us where we can then love our neighbor and, and glorify him through our work. I think it, it can really transform the way people uh, think about their work rather than thinking, I'm just doing this to support God's work in the church. I'm just giving or I'm maybe yeah. I'll share the gospel with my coworkers, which those are all great things. But the actual work itself is a is a is a way to glorify God and to love your neighbor through through serving them, you know? 
Yeah, and uh, that makes me think. I don't know where the verse is. I, I, but there's a verse that says basically our work is our worship. That we should worship God through our work. Yeah. I want to say it was in James, but I, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, um, whatever. Well, I'm thinking about whatever you do in word or deed, do it all. In, there you go. In, there yeah, you go. in the name of the Lord, yeah. Lord Jesus, for the glory of God. Right. We're supposed to. Right. We're supposed to whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, <laughs> whatever we do, <laughs> whether we work or you know then it's for ultimately for the glory of God. Totally. It is. Yeah. It's all about him. Yeah. It's yeah. not about us. Yeah. And, and, um, and that can transform the way we interact with other people too. Like I, I remember when I was in New York city with the faith and work and, and I uh, was traveling with a colleague who was the leader of it at the time. And we, we had a, a taxi driver who was just complaining the whole time about stuff. He's from some other country. And when we got to the end of the ride, you know, my friend very consciously said, you know, we got here. We don't know our way around New York. We really needed someone to, to give us a safe ride from the airport to where we were going. And you really loved and cared for us today uh, by taking us from one place to another safely. And we just, you know, thank God uh, that for the way he took care of us through you. I mean, that's a, beautiful like if you think go through life yeah. thinking that way it can transform the way you treat other people the way you see the value of your own job you know mm -hmm. yeah i yeah, know that's those that's that's great work you know thinking theologically about our vocation is really what you and i are talking about yeah it's, it's one way to put it uh, rather than thinking pragmatically in american business terms not that the American business terms are always wrong, uh, but thinking first theologically, right? I, and, and that, for whatever reason, that brings to my mind the Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else that you need, it'll, it'll, it'll show up, it'll be given to you. And um, boy, I tell you when, you, when you interpret life theologically, and I would also argue with eternity in mind, with God's perspective in mind, it does really transform how you do life. Mm. Mm. That's good. Yeah, the, a verse yeah. that I think of too that's, that I think is pivotal uh, in the realm of business is taking us all the way back to Genesis uh, yeah. chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, where God gives dominion to the men and to, to Adam and Eve, to man and woman over creation. You know, it says, Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds there, have every living thing that moves right. on the earth. Uh, and we realize that that business is that that creational or cultural mandate to, to here. God gives us this beautiful world, but it's in raw form and we get to take, you know, the sand and make it into a screen for an iPhone. You know, like just the beauty <laughs> of we we reflect his glory as creator by taking the stuff he's created and reshaping it into new things. And and uh, we're following that creational or cultural mandate um in some ways like i'm borrowing this from a colleague is that in some ways we're sort of like taco bell workers like we're not we can't make meat and we can't make cheese but we can put it in new arrangements you know we can move this we call it a we can call it a chalupa or a taco or whatever but in the end we have all this raw material that god's created and he delights to see us be yes. many creators and whether that's in your case the bit I know of your work going into situations where there's disorganization and chaos in a, in a business and you're bringing yes. order, uh, yeah. which means preserving people's jobs, loving them by, yeah. you know, having a business that can continue to work, uh, maybe helping other people find the job they should be in rather than that one. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah, so, and, and for me, it's trying to bring order. I'm a professor, try to, there's knowledge that I want people to have and use and for me mm -hmm. to, to pass that on to them in an effective and winsome way. Um, and even what we're using here today, this technology, isn't this amazing that someone has, has come up with a way that we're hundreds of miles apart that we can, uh, communicate like this. It can be recorded and preserved for others. What a wonderful way to love love your neighbor by creating this kind of technology. You know, I was, I was marveling at technology about a year and a half ago when my daughter was uh, spending a month in Mongolia on the end Bible poverty ministry. And she was passing out Bibles in the rural areas of Mongolia. 
And uh, <clears throat> she happened to be in a very small hamlet that had internet access. And so she FaceTimes me and I'm in my truck driving between Minneapolis and Duluth. So there I am, 70 some miles an hour, and she's in Mongolia, and we're talking to each other like you and I are talking here. And I was just marveling at the technology. It was it is really amazing. Something. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, similar to almost everything else in creation, it's, it, can, <laughs> it can be used for good or for evil, right? And so, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's one of the part of the brokenness of this world we live in where wonderful things can be invented and then people can use them for wicked things too. So, you know, um, yeah. When, when you mentioned uh, taco meat and wheat and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just have a short, whenever I go out for breakfast, I never look at the menu um, mm. because they all package the same stuff differently. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll meet somebody and they'll start looking at the menu and, and the waitress will come up and I'll just, Give me this, this, and this. I don't, I really don't care how it's packaged on your menu. This is just what I want. <laughs> and my my friends are always, hey, I need to do that. I need to That's stop funny. looking at the menu. Yeah, yeah, menu. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know that Taco Bell really has more than one item on their menu. <laughs> if you think about it, it's just it's just slightly organized, stacked in different ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's shift gears. A Christian business owner. Yeah. So I write and. I traditionally have written and at Bible and Business. Um, I've traditionally written for business owners. I'm starting to shift into that mid to upper level manager in corporate America because I find that so few people even pay attention to them. And I'm uh, I'm guessing that there's between five and ten million Christians in business who are mid in for profit businesses who are mid to upper level managers who serve difficult and sometimes really godless people. Um, that's why the book that I'm writing right now is I'm taking the life of Daniel, the first six chapters, not the eschatological part, but the first six chapters. And I'm, I'm trying to come up with some principles that these people can uh, use every day, daily principles that they can use. But for the for the Christian business owner at the Faith and Work Project, what are some common themes or some common issues that you see or that the that the project is seeing that Christian business owners are facing that are difficult for them to face into? Uh, can we just outline one yeah. to X number of those? Yeah, and I'll, I'll say at the beginning, this is not humility on my part, it's just the truth, that I don't know that I'm the best person to speak to this because my, my ministry, a lot of it is to seminary students and ministers to kind of catch a vision for vocation and all that. So I sure. don't have as much the kind of interaction that you have with, okay. uh, with business owners. So a lot of that is just, you know, like in other words, uh, you know, I, I'm read, I read the news reports about the cake, cake baker who, you know, sued and going through issues of the freedom of conscience and, and mm -hmm. yeah, you know, can they uh, continue to operate if they're forced to make cakes for, uh, marriages that they, uh, you know, civil unions that they disagree with uh, on the basis of scripture. You know, that the, 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 the government says you have to do this. We call this marriage. We say, well, we don't agree. You know, I'm, I'm not interacting with people uh, like on the, on a regular basis like that. I do think, okay. um, yeah, I do think though, honestly uh the the interactions I, I have friends in the business community and so on i think probably the biggest problem i see is, is probably an old problem is just that the siloing of there's business you know this is why mm -hmm. i do nine to five or you know eight to ten whatever monday through friday monday through Saturday, and then i go to church and so there's sort of this bifurcation this is spiritual life and this is what I do rest of the time rather than having a we talked about more of a theologically informed, biblically informed vision for all of life as lived under God's sovereignty and under his rule, beginning to catch a vision for their business as God. God's calling them to that as a as a way of loving neighbor and providing for their family and and evangelizing, like all of that happening there. Um, and so. Like I know, I don't know if you're familiar with this ministry. It's not not a huge ministry, but it's in based out of Hendersonville, Tennessee, called Living Scent. 
Living Scent. And they um, mm, haven't heard of it. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what they 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 we we they came up here. We had a meeting with them and I've spent some time looking at their materials. Um, they they sort of have these cohorts in cities of business people trying to give give them a vision for, hey, you are nine to five. You are in the business place. God wants you to be a Christian there. And even just very simple ways of how to manage as it with allowing their Christian ethics and beliefs, the teaching of scripture, the way we treat other people to influence how they manage, how they train, how they interact mm -hmm. with customers, how they deal with profits and, you know, disputes and, and all of that. I mean, I, I really think um, we need on churches, hopefully would be doing that. I mean, there are some churches that are, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Tom Nelson. Tom Nelson, he wrote Work Matters. He's done a lot of stuff with work and vocation. Mm -hmm. He's uh, He went right. to Trinity, D-Men at Trinity, and he's at Christ Community Church in Leewood, Kansas. And um, I know in his church, like on the sun, on Sunday, they'll have, a, they'll focus on a particular profession. Like they'll pray for, uh, you know, people in the, you know, firefighters and policemen. One week they'll pray for, uh, small business owners, and there's a real conscious, and the the members of their staff will go out and hang out with people in their business. So they'll spend half a day hanging out with a radiologist, hanging out with a janitor, and try to discover what they're doing and let that inform the teaching and ministry at the church. But also, you know, speak into in a discipleship way, like how could you catch a bigger vision for what God could do through you here. So I, I think. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest challenge that I'm aware of is just seeing their work as under God's sovereignty, a calling, um, beginning to let it be shaped by Scripture rather than just something they're doing. You know, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think you're spot on. This siloing between, by the way, we're talking with Dr. Rob Plummer today, who is the director of the Faith and Work Project at, Louisville, at uh, Southern Seminary in Louisville. He's also the chair of uh, New Testament and a professor of biblical studies at Southern Theological Seminary. Uh, full disclosure or disclaimer, my son is going uh, to Southern Theological Seminary, so I have He's a heart for He's not in my class, it. so we won't affect his grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's also the direct, can I, do I say the director of the Daily Dose of Greek? Well, I, I don't know what, I'm the founder and host of the Daily Dose of Greek. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's also the founder and host of Daily Dose of Greek, and we're talking about right now the silo effect that Christian business owners uh, face in a lot of churches between you kind of have church on Sunday and you have business the other probably six days of the week for many, and um, and there's just not a lot of not a lot of overlap there. I, I can honestly say just several comments uh, to what you said. First of all, I've never had a pastor come out and pray with me at my work ever. Uh, and that's, that's not as much a criticism as it is a recognition of that siloing effect. Uh, I think if I was um, a church planter, I think I would probably get uh, more face time with a, with a pastor. Uh, but pastors, I, I'm going to give pastors a lot of grace here because they are they are the most heavily marketed and most heavily in demand of anybody I know of in America. It's a very, very difficult role uh, to be the pastor of a local church. I'm an elder at my church, and I even have a hard time at times getting FaceTime with my senior pastor. <laughs> and, and, you know, I see them every other Tuesday night, but that's in a, that's in a group setting. And uh, I know some of the other elders uh, uh, never meet with him individually. Uh, again, it's not a criticism. It's just a recognition of the demands that are on uh, pastors today. But going back to your comment about uh, management and training employees and, and, you know, this is kind of what we do, that kind of bleeds into... Uh, one of the, what I thought was one of the four core purposes that God had for business, which is to help employees develop their God-given talents, their God-given passions, and give them a structured way to express those things and get paid for it at the same time, right? Um, God has gifted you to 
uh, take knowledge, to learn it, to assimilate it, to synthesize it, maybe to repackage it, add some new knowledge to it, and then teach it and motivate others. And um, you're, you're, uh, from what David tells me, you're, you're very good at it. Even though he hasn't sat in your class, I know he's, mm-hmm. he has a high regard for you. Um, I, I take, uh, I have an intuitive way of understanding organizations. This is some feedback that I've been given by others in the field. It's, it's not so much that I understand balance sheets and income statements, although I do, I can read them. It's that uh, I have a, a knack for understanding where organizations are off base, and it almost always resides with the leadership and understanding how to, how to fix those things. Um, so as we, as, as we come in, from a theological perspective, when we look at Christian business owners, one of the ways that I think that they can fulfill, kind of close that gap between the church and the work silos, close those two silos, or at least bring them closer together, is to say that one of the things I can do that it really is God-honoring and is a purpose that God gave me a business is to help my employees grow professionally and help them grow personally. I think if you were to go to most of the uh, younger people today, I'm just going to say 40, 45 and under, and maybe even everybody, but you were to say as a business owner, you were to say, how, how can I help you be a better you? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would respond really positively to that. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it wouldn't I be about necessarily increasing profits. Yeah, and that's it's really about. Um, I mean, you really are loving them as someone made mm-hmm. in the image of God. There, they're not just a cog in the machine to make you more money, you know. So right. it's uh, it's uh, how can I develop, you know, your gifts, your ideas? How can you grow? I mean, that's a that's a beautiful kind of management. Um, I would think that would build an immense loyalty from mm-hmm. employees uh, because they because they're being treated as people as humans in the image of God. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good insight. I don't know if, uh, many business owners think that way because American business doesn't think that way. And uh, although I take that back, some businesses do, I'm, I know I'm kind of generalizing here, uh, but many do not. Uh, the other piece, um, that just left my mind, so I don't know what it was. It's, you know, I'm 61, Rob. Well, you're, you're fine. I'll just jump in. You'll remember as I start to say something tangentially related. So the, the, uh, <laughs> so we, people are, uh, you know, when, when we develop them like that, because we are made in the image of God to be creators, you're really allowing them to flourish as a human in the way God created them, you know, to, to have mm-hmm. the joy of creating and serving and loving others. And, um, that reminded me, I've set this book out beforehand because I was hoping I'd have a chance to mention it. Uh, it's called Poor No More, Rethinking Dependency in the War on Poverty. I thought, the main thing I remember from this book is, you know, as they were trying to help people in, in like poverty and, you know, recently released people from prison, all this kind of stuff. The main thing that really helped people, none of these training programs, none of that, according to him, what really helped them was getting them a job. And yeah. and where yeah. they could where they could yeah. have some dignity of getting a paycheck doing work that was honest and meaningful and that served other people it transformed their lives and and just this just the and why how can we explain that i think we can explain that theologically by saying we are made in the image of god to be creators and when we when we are not when we don't do that it's a downward spiral into uh, defeatism and and frustration. Um, they've done studies on prisoners. Prisoners, when they're in prison, who do the you know they get paid pennies to do the laundry and the cooking, but who right. do that kind of work when they get out, uh, readjust to society so much better, have such a lower rate of recidivism. I mean, it's work is a beautiful thing for humans. It's a good thing. You know that that. Uh, topic is partially dealt with 
in Jonathan Sachs's book. I don't know if you've ever read this book, The Dignity of Difference. I have not. I'll just hold it up here. Yeah, yeah. The Dignity of Difference. Uh, He's a a British Lord rabbi. He's now passed a couple years ago. One of the most thoughtful people I've ever read on economics. And he's read, he wrote a whole uh, series of books on the Torah that I have found very helpful, mm-hmm. uh, very helpful to understand from a Jewish perspective. But uh, I would recommend Dignity of Difference as, as another book to read besides Poor No More. Uh, who wrote that book, Poor No yeah, More? Yeah, and I'm, I don't know, to be honest. I, it's so, I, I don't know that, I can't, I can't wholesale recommend the book. Like it's been a while since okay. I've read it. But the thesis of it, the broad thesis I remember, uh, was uh, see he sp- he he founded this thing American work America works the non a for profit welfare to work company and uh, I mean the book uh, you know is a little bit repetitive he's <laughs> I kind of summarized it <laughs> don't get people don't spend ton- millions of dollars training people and doing all this stuff give them a job <laughs> give people <laughs> give people a job get them in there and that's the main indicator of success like mm-hmm. getting people where they're where they're work at, and they'll they'll struggle people will have problems they won't know how to dress they'll not be used to behaving in an environment like that <laughs> I remember, remember a guy once in a church group i was in 20 years ago he got this job he, he had been a skater before this he's like i can't believe these people they're so uptight about you showing up on time you know you're like well people do expect you to show up at the beginning of your work you know and that was a that was obviously a learning experience for him <laughs> that's funny wow. that's funny wow. so from uh from the faith and work project uh you guys also deal with economics yeah. and um uh, talk to me about some of the new research or the new uh, publications that are going on from the Faith and Work Project about economics and how business owners might consume those materials and what kind of difference it might make in their daily uh, lives managing their businesses. Yeah, well, in terms of broad economic policy, what we're trying to do is uh provide uh we're not we're not really writing original content we're we're at that level i mean we are we do have publications and stuff our focus usually in that is is on the role of the church and so on and i wouldn't be against uh doing it we just don't have anything coming out like right now but if you go to the website we do have links to a lot of articles online and speaking about everything from um you know like for example uh, people can get very upset about the price of rents going up to make things unaffordable for, um, you know, hourly workers who, you know, in, in the city setting, mm-hmm. San Francisco, New York, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and this is a problem. You know, the cost of housing is so high. But, but I think sometimes ministers, because they have a heart for the poor, they should have a heart for the poor. They haven't necessarily thought through all the ramifications of proposed solutions. So one of the proposed solutions is let's set a limit on rent, you know, rent control or something like that. And and seeing that, well, actually what that does is uh, is create all sorts of other problems yes, uh, rather, rather, rather than solving the problem. Like the problem might be better solved by promoting situations that would allow people to develop more properties so there could be more apartments so supply and demand understanding basics about supply and demand and how the government creates Mm -hmm. incentives for people to do things or not do things and just the long-term ramifications it's sort of like the henry hazlitt book uh economics in one lesson and he talks about (laughs) basically the one lesson is thinking about what are the incentives and ramifications the that we're creating through policy and i i i think um we want we want our government to create policies that respect people's private property that uh, allow them to flourish and to Mm -hmm. create and do things beautiful um and not to create weird incentives that would you think about rent control again you if you see articles where they're interviewing people and they're like, yeah, my, you know, I I have lived in this apartment for 50 years because I, because the rent control, I couldn't give up. Well, very likely that person, a job or 
relational opportunity, they should have moved from there. And that that incentive to stay in an artificially low priced apartment has sort of controlled their lives. At the same time, probably that probably that apartment building is run down because the apartment owner is not making a market, uh, you know, rent to, to, to do it. And secondly, he probably didn't build that other building he wanted to build because he's like, I don't know if the government's going to suddenly slap on artificially low rates. So in the end, it's a simple example. Rent control is an easy example on that. But there's there's similar ones like cash for clunkers. Like you've you've got the government creating incentives to destroy great use cars, you know, like uh, and, and wouldn't it be nice to have some more of those used cars that were destroyed uh, back? Uh, in the Obama administration, you know, right now when used cars are ridiculously, you know, it's just, so just helping people think if, if people don't really understand always what inflation is, what is inflation is, you know, you, I mean, people debate this, but it seems most natural. There's too much paper money floating around. It's artificial, yeah. artificially uh, creating uh, extremely high prices. I realize it's more complicated. There are other issues involved. But understanding that what that really is doing is is a huge tax on the whole country that's yeah. reducing the savings of many uh, people who are on the margins, elderly people, poor people who are relying on money in a savings account that's going to be worth eight and a half percent less next year. Like thinking through like, oh, this really does matter. Um, pol- government policy really affects people and their ability to to flourish. Yeah. You know, um in 2007, we had $1.3 trillion in our economy based on the uh, St. Louis Fed, if I remember right. And uh, today it's over $20 trillion, St. Louis Fed's numbers. Uh, yeah. We just have too many dollars chasing too few goods. You, There are things in the supply chain that would temporarily increase prices, to be sure. Yeah. But uh, I was always taught good old Adam Smith stuff back at Indiana Wesleyan University, where I got my bachelor's in business that um, uh, inflation is ultimately the result of too many dollars chasing too few goods and services. And so I I would agree with, uh, I would agree with the project on that. Let me shift, let me shift gears for just a moment. You have a history of missionary work. Do you not? Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if you um, are able to speak about uh, missionaries going into closed or difficult countries as business owners and then trying to um, do evangelistic work on top of that. Do you have any any uh, desire to speak to that particular topic? And no. part of, here's part of the reason that I asked. It's actually a little personal here. Um, uh, next week, I am flying to a foreign country and I am teaching a uh, the fifth of a six-week course to missionaries who are going to be going into closed countries as business owners, uh, but that will be their way to evangelize and, and to share the gospel. And my job in the fifth week is to talk about all the stuff that could go wrong <laughs> and how you mitigate. You know, what do you do if, if uh, somebody on the team dies? What do you do if there's three owners and one of them decides to have an affair with somebody else on the team, or, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do if somebody's call changes or what do you do if you make a lot of money? You know, what do you do with that money? Or what do you, what happens if you uh, lose a lot of money? Who's going to pay? Cause somebody has got to pay whenever there's a loss, somebody has to pay. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. I don't know if that, if that's a topic that you would be interested in talking sure. about this morning sure, or talk not. About it. We, a few years ago, when I was not running, when I was not the director, someone else was. Uh, he's he's uh, taking a job at another institution now or another organization. But uh, we, I think it was Patrick Lai. Lay lies. He's a guy who speaks a lot about uh, work and missions. I, I can't. I'm not sure I'm saying his name correctly, but he spoke and um, he told some very moving stories. Uh, one of them I recall was about in a closed country, probably a Muslim country. Um, there was a very successful, um, I think it was a closed manufacturing thing so that, that uh, the, the missionaries had started, the Christian foreign foreign workers had started, and the government wanted to shut it down. And the, the workers mm. were like, no, 
this is a great place. We have a job. We have money. We can take care right. of our family. This person is kind to us who runs this business. You know, they stood up to the authorities and said, what are you doing? So I think the story was told to illustrate when we do Christian business as, as a means of uh, being in another country, we want, we want to make sure it's legit. Like we want to have real products. We want to, mm -hmm. we don't just want to have a shell company that we're really, you know, people after five years are like, why are you here? What do you make? What do you sell? Uh, and we realize that can, it can, it can just be being a teacher, being an English teacher is a totally legit uh, business um, that will allow you to flourish in many closed countries. But you want to do that well. You want to be a great English teacher. You want to be growing. And and so, um, yeah, I think I I think that's a great way, especially if it's a legitimate business to to love and serve. You're providing employment. You're giving an example of how to live in society as a Christian, how to treat other people in your daily lives. Um, really loving and serving your neighbor while you're announcing the greatest love that we have is through right. Christ. The greatest service right. we can offer is to introduce them to the Savior and to know what he's done for them. Um, so, as you know, um, probably better than I, as you're going on this trip, there are many places in the world where you can't just show up and say, I want to preach the gospel. You have to do something that that society views as beneficial to them whether it's right. uh, being a radiologist in the middle east or whether it's being in the, a petroleum engineer or being an english teacher or um whatever there are a lot of people that there are a lot of people doing that and some of the most exciting things are things that you and i can't talk about because it would compromise their ministry right, right? oh there's one guy yeah. i know he went to I mean, a place that most of us would be terribly frightened to go. I mean, it's like one of the places you think someone's going to kill me there and take me hostage. And he he uh, he retired from uh, J.C. Penney as a executive years ago when J.C. Penney was more of a, a you know thing and uh, <laughs> more of a thing, yeah, yeah, more of more of a successful <laughs> company than it is now. And um, but he spent decades of his life. I think he's retired now, but spent decades of his life in this country. And I, I told, I remember talking to him. I said, Hey, I know people will work in places like where you are for decades and, and not see any, any men, any, you know, one convert. Right. right. What, what do you see there? He said, I'm aware of 50 people in my personal sphere of influence who are new believers. Isn't that something? And, yeah. And he told, they stayed with us uh, one Christmas and gave us a little, Christmas ornament made by um, one of the the ladies in this country. It was trying to support herself with a business, you know, local business. And right. um, they made some comment of, about her being married to someone who was younger than her. And I thought that was strange in that traditional culture. And it turned out that her first husband had been a uh, had been a pastor, secret, an underground pastor. And when he was found out, he had been made to stand in the public square, hold his Bible while they chopped his head off in front of everyone else. And uh, and so this 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 younger believer, younger than her, uh, married her to save save her life. Really, you know, in that culture. So just, I mean, I mean, that kind of stuff's going on. I mean, that's that's happening in in our world today. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. I, I stay I stay in touch. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs is one organization that I uh, subscribe to uh, because I I uh, I want to be reminded that our comfortable American Christianity is not experienced by most of the world. That some 400 million or more uh, Christians live uh, under some type of physical, economic, social persecution, and. Um, what we have here in America is not the norm. It it it, it just isn't. The um, one of the messages that I'll give uh, to the class is that you have to be called to business. You can't just go in under the guise of business and then not be very good at it. Uh, you really have to be called because running a business. Um, I have a phrase: uh, you can't part time your way into success. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody's got to really be called. So if there's a, a group of six who are going over, at least one of them has to be called to do the business. And that's their calling. And the others may work in the business or they may go get jobs elsewhere. But the point is, somebody on that team's got to be called uh, to actually do the business. And mm. that's where I think it's it's so important um, uh, for those who have a heart to spread the gospel in these closed countries to remember that if they go out in just under the guise and they don't really work the business well, they're kind of lying to the government and they're kind of lying to themselves and they're probably not stewarding well the entrustment that God's going to give them in that country. So, yeah. well, th- thank you for thank you for meandering into that. Look, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you um, and, and or get a hold of the Faith and Work Project again, I was trying to bring the uh, website up, faithandworkproject.com. Well, it starts with the. So, yeah, yeah, you have to actually oh, type the. the. Yeah, that's the key. Oh. Type thefaithandworkproject.com because there's a lot of similar sounding things out there. Yeah. Yeah. If you include the, thefaithandworkproject.com. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then, and then you'll see there'll be contact information and email down at at the bottom. Uh, So. Yeah. I'm going to share, share the screen just so, just so people can see it here. Um, So there's the faith and work project, the personal finance area, the vocation area, the economics area. And uh, you can subscribe down here. I believe I'm already subscribed. If I'm not, I will today. Um, and uh, they also have their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, looks like, and YouTube channels over here on the side. So you may want to take a look at that. Uh, but uh, And then in the About section here uh, on the website, um, they go into a little bit more about the finance, the vocation, and the economics there. So I would encourage uh, everyone who has watched this, or if you're watching right now, just uh, go out and take a look at the Faith and Work Project. And uh, I just want to thank you, Rob, uh, yeah. for coming on board and uh, spending uh, some time with us here today. Um, uh, you're really a wonderful guy, and I'm I'm so uh, privileged to, to be to be getting to know you more and more as the months uh, pass here. So it's just well, been a pleasure uh, well, to have a, you a today. Mutual, a mutual joy. Yeah, it's been fun <laughs> to get to know you and uh, know more of your work. So I appreciate the encouragement and and thanks too for the chance just to tell people a little bit more about the Faith at Work Project. Oh, you're Thank welcome. You. You're welcome. So uh, I think at this point, we're going to end the broadcast. I'm Bill English, the publisher here at Bible and Business. And I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, If you need, if you're a Christian business owner or a Christian in management leadership in for-profit businesses, I would love to talk with you. I would love to help you. Uh, The Bible and Business website has a number of different resources for you, but you can always reach out to me at my email address, bill at bibleandandbusiness.com. And uh, I'd love to hear from you and, and talk with you as well. So uh, I, uh, again, thanks, Rob, for being with us today. Thank you all for joining today. And I hope you all go out and make it a great day. Take care. Thank you for joining Rob and Bill today. I hope you found their conversation to be helpful to you as you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. If you'd like to talk with Bill, just email him at bill at bibleandbusiness.com. I think you'll find, as I have, that he's a good guy to talk to. Bill and I hope you'll join us again for another Bible and Business Profiles in Stewardship podcast. So until then, please go out and make it a great day. Take care.